Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. And a welcome to each one. Appreciated the things that have been shared here so far. Thank you, brothers, for letting the Lord use you to minister and encourage us. Welcome that there's clarity on this subject of the dynamics of Christian brotherhood. And what are we talking about when we're talking about dynamics of Christian brotherhood? I'm basically talking about uh, the brotherhood being the church. The Bible doesn't, I don't know if it even uses the word brotherhood. It uses the word church, assembly, and that kind of thing. But I'm talking about the local church, its function, uh, the place of the brothers in that local church, you know, its direction, how that direction is determined, uh, brothers' meetings, what is expected from brothers' meetings, what is expected when decisions are made in brothers' meetings, what uh, role uh, does the elders play in that, that direction, and all those kind of things. My goal today is to be clearly understood what we believe on this subject. Um, and I do want to say that I'm trying to remember to say everything I want to say in the beginning here. I do want to say right up front that we believe in plurality of elders. Even though at the moment I am the only one who has uh, been given the uh, assignment, the, the charge of an elder, I relate to the deacon brothers so closely that uh, we are a team, but I'm going to state it. We believe in plurality of elders. So as I speak in this message, I want that understood, because it's not a one-man show. The church is not a one-man show. Um, and, Lord willing, in the not-too-distant future, we will be looking at the subject of plurality of elders for this congregation. So I want that understood. In uh, yesterday, I accompanied my son to a car dealership to look at a vehicle. The salesperson met us, shook our hands, asked a few questions, and then asked us if we ever shopped here before. We said, no, we hadn't. In two minutes, he had, in less than two minutes, he had told us exactly how their dealership functions and what we can expect, and that is exactly what I wanted to know. And we knew exactly what, where we were at and how we were, you know, how we were going to go about business there. If we have failed as a church, and I believe we have, we have failed to clearly uh, articulate to you all, what we believe on this subject of brotherhood, of elders, how decisions are arrived at, what happens when decisions are made, and all those kind of things. I know that we have failed, and I am sorry about that. If we have misled you into believing something different than what we actually do believe. I have not changed my position. Uh... I've been an elder for, I don't know how many years, 
since 96. I've not changed my position. I've uh, given similar uh, direction in the early days of harmony. And so I want that understood. I have not changed my position on what I believe the, uh, the uh, Scripture teaches on this subject. <clears throat> so again, you pray for me. It is my utmost desire to do what that salesman did for us yesterday. To be upfront, to be frank, and that we all understand exactly what platform we're standing on. Let's just stand a moment. Gracious, gracious Father. We do quiet our hearts before you. God, I have one request. And that is that you would speak your truth through this vessel of clay. Father, I'm not here to say my own things. But Father, I want to speak your, your truth as it pertains to where we find ourselves right at this moment. So help me, Lord. Give me clarity of thought. Bring every thought to my mind that is needed to clarify each point along the way. Father, I pray that when I am finished, that I can have total assurance and rest in my heart that I have spoken your word and not my own. I pray that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. And, O Father, be merciful and gracious to us today and meet our needs. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, Brother Marlin was sharing about pruning. I do want to say, if this message feels like pruning to you, please receive it as pruning from the Lord and not from me. Please. <clears throat> First of all, in the, in the subject of the dynamics of Christian brotherhood, and I do want to say also that I'm probably not all-inclusive in what I share here today. Uh, there's probably aspects that could be considered that maybe I haven't given thought to, uh, given attention to. But um, 
We want to begin our thoughts in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to begin just by talking a bit about, uh, as we talk about the dynamics of, of the, the Christian brotherhood and we talk about uh, the, the course that a, that a congregation charts and we talk about decisions and how they're arrived at and all those kind of things. First thing we'd like to consider is the voice of the brothers in those matters of uh, the dynamics of Christian brotherhood. Ephesians 4, verse, or yeah, yeah, Ephesians 4, verse 11 uh, to verse 16. <clears throat> Familiar scriptures. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, Christ, in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We will stop reading there like to just begin and give recognition to the fact that uh, in the body of Christ, as this uh, verse 16 says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Want to give recognition to the fact that every person is important. Every person has a contribution in brotherhood life. Every brother has a contribution. Every sister has a contribution. And there's a lot more to brotherhood life than just the monthly brothers meeting. And even a lot more to brotherhood direction than just the monthly brothers meeting. What happens in your discussions on Sunday afternoon or through the week on the phone or wherever you are, has a lot of impact on brotherhood uh, uh, dynamics. Uh, It has a lot of influence. And if it's good, it's good. And if it's negative, it's negative. And it has an impact. It it has influence. And uh, we want to recognize that uh, the gifts in the body, God has designed it. God has put them there. He talks there about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And those are maybe... Gifts that are a a little more specific to building up the body. But aside of even those, we recognize that all have giftings. All have uh, 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 something to contribute in brotherhood life. And in uh, brotherhood direction. And in uh, charting the course in a brotherhood experience. All have something to contribute. And we value that. 
We want to, we want you to, we want that understood. We value that. And, uh, we are grateful for that. We believe, uh, God has put something, uh, put, yeah, put great benefit in the fact of being in a, in a body where, uh, there's opportunity for wisdom and, and, uh, uh, understanding to, to flow back and forth between us in, uh, from our various perspectives. We value that. We believe it's uh, right and it's good. Just uh, right along the same line, uh, we value the wisdom that comes forth in a body. And, in, and again, thinking of, and we often pray this when we sit around in a circle in brothers' meeting, that, that the Lord would... Uh, bring forth the wisdom that is represented in this circle of brethren. Uh, we believe that. The scripture, uh, Paul in, in Colossians 1.9 says that, uh, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul uh, considered wisdom and spiritual understanding relating to Christ, relating to His church, relating to His purposes. Paul considered it of such importance that he prayed that the believers would have it, that the Lord would bless them with it. And you know, some of that comes to us through you, uh, through each other, uh, all giving a contribution uh, to brotherhood life. And we recognize that, we value that. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And so we value brotherhood discussions. We see lots of blessings coming out of brotherhood discussions. And I, uh, I, I am many times very blessed when I see a, a, a brotherhood discussion, especially I'm thinking a little bit of brothers' meetings, uh, but not, not just that, but seeing those you know, this brother con- uh, giving a contribution and this one and then that one and, and seeing sometimes you brothers do the work for us. You do. Sometimes you brothers do the work for us and, and you say the things that we don't, and we don't have to say them. You know, in a sense. And it's just, it's that brotherhood wisdom flowing back and forth and input and, and so forth. So I want to recognize that. I want to, uh, uh, be clear that I have value that. <clears throat> And we want to continue to foster an atmosphere where those kind of discussions take place. <clears throat> and finding direction on current issues facing the church through brotherhood discussions is a blessing. I value it. I appreciate it. We want that. <clears throat> we plan for that to be an active part of this brotherhood. We do value that, and I want to establish that in the beginning of our discussion here. So the voice and the input of brethren is greatly appreciated and is considered very valuable. Second, the next point that we'd like to give some attention to, and that is this, in the dynamics of Christian brotherhood, 
What does a brotherhood decision mean? In the dynamics of Christian brotherhood, what does a brotherhood decision mean? Now, I'm going to, uh, I use the word brotherhood decision there. And, uh, uh, you know, we would just clarify a little bit in the beginning what we mean by that. You know, obviously we all recognize that, you know, in a brother's meeting the discussions go around and there's a, there's a dozen thoughts shared on a subject and, and sometimes those thoughts are actually pull together pretty good and other times those thoughts are, uh, fairly far apart and, uh, you know, just the discussion goes and the discussion goes and there comes a point where elders have to analyze everything that was discussed and consider and draw things in a given, you know, draw things to a direction out of what has been going on there. And so when I say brotherhood decisions, I'm not talking about uh, the fact that there was a 49-51 vote in a brothers meeting and so 51, the decision carried for a 51%. I'm talking about uh, a discussion was had, brothers shared input, uh, you know, various thoughts were considered. And in the end, the elders had to take everything that was given and give direction to it. That's more the context in which I'm speaking of. And uh, when a decision is arrived at, and brothers uh, and uh, the elders uh, give direction based on what was discussed, what does that mean now that a decision has been arrived at on a given subject? <clears throat> what is the expected response when direction is given on an issue, what is the expected response? Are things always left vague and people can choose what they want to take out of a discussion and respond however they want to? Or does a brotherhood decision mean that we have homework to do? What does a brotherhood decision mean? I think this is a very important part of our discussion today. In fact, this point could actually make and break make or break us as a church based on what we do with this point. And I do want to take my time and think my way through what I say here and in what order I say it. So the question is, what does a brotherhood decision mean? We will use a pertinent issue, one that's been on our floor in a recent brothers meeting as the illustration, not for the sake of the subject, but for the sake of the example. And that is the subject of movies and their place in the Christian brotherhood. What does it mean when uh, a decision is made and arrived at? We are today at March the 1st, 2015. 
I have the notes here that Brother Earl took on our March Brothers Meeting in 2014, exactly one year ago. <clears throat> His, we had a discussion on videos and movies and their, their uses among us. We had a, I don't know exactly the length of the discussion, but it could have been an hour and a half. I'm not sure. Earl's notes start near the very top of this page, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, Earl. Um, they go all the way to the bottom, and they go to the next page. In fact, they go all the way to here, and he has one little paragraph after that. So he's got almost two full pages of notes on that discussion. A very thorough discussion regarding movies and their use among us. In that discussion, uh, we basically, and I don't, you know, I, I can't recall exactly uh, how that all, you know, what was all said and how it was all done. Maybe the lines weren't drawn clear enough. I don't know. But we basically categorized movies, in a sense, in that which is deemed to be acceptable for us as believers and what we believe about uh, the Christian life, the influences into our lives, what is conducive, uh, helpful to us versus what is is dangerous, dangerous to our children. Uh, we basically broke that down. And... Uh, you know, it, it's we live in a world where you just simply can't just draw a line and say no movies, absolutely no movies, no videos, so and so forth. You know, there's uh, uh, I've got a I've got a workers uh, whatever thing uh, video at home that I need to show all my new ver- workers. You know, we can't draw a line and say no movies. Uh, it's a it's a production for for that type of situation. And we're not trying to draw a line and say no movies. But we did clearly discuss and define what is we believe is acceptable, what is productive, uh, what can be uh, uh, viewed, uh, you know, in a, in, and has benefits to the person versus that which is simply entertainment, which can have negative effects, which can give uh, false concepts of, for example, the Christian movies that have uh, give a very false concept of of uh, uh, the Christian life and uh, and all those kind of things. We defined it, we discussed it, and we gave direction to it. And I remember making this statement, and Earl actually has it in his notes. I remember making it this uh, a number of statements, but one of them that I made is this: It is now up to you to make. Brotherhood work. If brotherhood is going to work and sitting down and discussing a subject that is pertinent to our day, it is now up to you to make brotherhood work. We're a year down the road. Over the course of that year, and we've We've discussed the subject in February, I guess, a month ago. But over the course of that year, I kept getting these little wins that movies are being watched. Movies are being watched. Just, you're just kind of floating around. You, you pick, pick up something here, you pick up something there. 
we went into another brothers' meeting discussion, or actually I, I shared in a message back a while ago and talked about influence. And who are we allowing to influence us? And I hit the movie thing broadside. Are we allowing the movie production world to influence us? And we discussed it in brothers' meeting. Again. And we made another clear, strong appeal. And many brethren raised their hands to support that appeal that we are not going to be a movie-watching church. Based on the understanding of how we had discussed and clarified what movies are considered to be, you know, that educational thing you need, that whatever, but we had clarified those things, we drew the lines, we are not going to be a movie-watching church. So what does... A decision like that mean. <clears throat> Two circles there. Titled the one acceptable and the other unacceptable. <clears throat> and again, I, I put that there in, on the basis of our brother's meeting discussion. We recognized the fact that there are, you know, there's going to be movies and videos and things that we're going to use in our work and whatever, uh, education, schooling, homeschooling. We recognize all those things. We also gave clear recognition to the fact that there are, uh, there are just a whole host of things out there that we do not believe is beneficial to the believer and we should not be participating in them. What does it mean when a brotherhood decision is made. What it means is this. It means that you and you and your family are going to engage yourself with all your heart and effort to be over here. In the level, in the perimeter of the acceptable. Notice that I have it overlapping just a little bit. Because the line isn't crystal clear. But if you, in your heart, Understand the burden and the passion and the desire of the brotherhood and where what they see in in these matters and why they are saying the things they are saying and the direction is given. It is expected that fathers, mothers, youth, children engage their heart to get in on this side clearly within the acceptable realm and be there. And is supported with a cheerful, joyful attitude. That is what is expected. That is what is expected. And if brotherhood life and brotherhood decisions are going to work, that is what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to, when a brotherhood arrives at a conclusion, a decision is made and a direction is given, we are going to need to engage our hearts cheerfully, joyfully, purposefully, to be sure, not over here on the edge, not try to just so get in there, but get in with your whole heart. Jump in. If brotherhood is going to work, that is the kind of attitude we must have. If not, well, the statistics are out there. 
So I give that because I want to be clear. We do expect cheerful, joyful support of brotherhood decisions. You know, we don't like the word rules. But when there is a ruling, you know, the word ruling, uh, there was, in other words, the ruling carried this way. I'm not using it as somebody ruling, but the ruling carried this way. When there is a ruling, there is a rule. There is a rule. There is a rule. There is a rule on what is acceptable and unacceptable in the realm of movies in this congregation. I know we don't like the word rules and we've kind of threw it out as a dirty word. But when there is a ruling, there is a rule. And there is a rule. Like I said, the line is not a hard, clear-cut line. And when we sense and understand that your heart has engaged itself over here, and we see something that's over here on the edge, we're not going to be excited about it and beating down your neck because we see a heart that has jumped over into here and is wanting support and wanting to pull. And you may have just overlooked something a little bit that you. So. All right. The dynamics. Or what does a rule or a decision mean in the dynamics of Christian brotherhood? <clears throat> I'd like to talk a little about a bit about the elder's role in the Christian brotherhood. Like I said earlier, we do believe in plural leadership teams and intend to arrive there. In Acts, and I'll just give us a scripture that, uh, and there's several that are worded this way. We have one here in Acts 14, verse 23. It says, and when they had ordained them elders, plural, in every church, singular, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And there's another scripture. I didn't bother putting it here, but it has exactly worded the same way. Elders, plural, and then. City, I believe it is that time. Singular. And I realize you could kind of pick that apart and say, well, can you say that means, you know, plural leadership? I, I think the scripture lends itself to that, that there would be plurality of leadership. And I think it's a blessing. And I think it's actually a safeguard. Uh, I also recognize that... Uh, Respect in leadership is earned by a godly life. It's not demanded because of a position. So I want you to understand that as I speak. The respect in leadership is earned by a godly life. The qualifications in scripture regarding an elder make that clear. He is qualified for that position if he meets that criteria. Uh, and so, 
he can't demand respect because he has a position. He can, he, 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 he but he is, uh, but his life commands respect if he's a godly man and has that position. His life does command respect. <clears throat> so, um, I'd like to turn to two scriptures, and if you'll turn there with me, we'll, uh, the first one we'll look at is Acts 20, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to verse 30. <clears throat> Scripture says that, uh, and this again is Paul as he's uh, speaking to the uh, overseers of the churches. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. To feed the church of God which, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And you're welcome to keep a finger there. Let's turn over to First Peter as well. We will refer to these two scriptures a bit as we go. First Peter. First Peter 5, verse 1 to verse 3. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And we'll just stop there. That gives us the context of uh, the things we want to consider just for a bit. <clears throat> First of all, I'd like to uh, just draw attention to the to one the statement there in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight, where it says. Paul says to the elders, take heed unto thyself. You know, it's been, it's been said something to the point that uh, the most difficult and the most, uh, uh, yeah, the most challenging assignment an elder has is first of all to give attention to his own life, his own needs and so forth. And so that is mentioned here. Take heed to yourself. But then he goes on and says, And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. <clears throat> so first of all, an elder needs to take heed to himself, give attention to his own life. And then he needs to give attention to the flock over which God has called him to oversee. He needs to give attention to that. Peter also described it as, as an overseer. In other words, one who is, uh, you know, he is giving consideration and attention and uh, watchfulness to his flock, to those who are under his care. And uh, their spiritual life, their spiritual health, their, their well-being, their spiritual well-being. An elder has obligations, a responsibility to give attention to that, to that's, uh, the spiritual well-being of the people. 
You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, when you think about a shepherd and a flock of sheep out there uh, in a pasture. Uh, a shepherd will always endeavor to keep his sheep together. You know, if one wanders off to feed, off in uh, you know way uh, far away from all the rest, it's wandering in dangerous territory. And a shepherd knows that, and he goes and brings that sheep back. You know. Shepherds in, a, in, in the body of Christ have that kind of responsibility to observe their people, to observe their grazing habits, if you may, to observe their lives and how they're, uh, you know, how they're prospering or not prospering, and to give those gentle nudges and those encouragements and those uh, guidances that uh, will hopefully help keep you in a, a place of... Uh, Spiritual health and vitality. That is the assignment and responsibility that is given. And uh, you should really actually expect an elder. And I'm not here to... I actually feel like I fail in this. But the, the scripture teaches us this. And we're, we're going to look at it. And I'm going to look at it. But you should expect an elder to have concern for you. To... Uh, uh, to speak into your life when uh, he senses that something doesn't seem to be going right there. So you seem to be struggling or you seem to be kind of wandering off uh, into the thickets. An elder, you should expect that an elder would have a, a caring heart to come and, and, and inquire a bit and, and uh, just ask if everything's okay and uh, are there problems, are you struggling, are you dealing with issues, you know, what's happening. Uh, you should expect that kind of thing. In this scripture in Acts, it tells us here that uh, Paul, he exhorted them. He said, uh, verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And, you know, that that, that, uh, illustration, again, we can easily picture that in our minds when we picture a sheep, a shepherd and his sheep out on the mountain, grazing his sheep, and along comes a wolf, goes right into the middle of that flock and begins to tear, and the, and the sheep, they run all directions, they scatter. They... That's the illustration that uh, Paul used of the church of Jesus Christ and some of the potential things that are going to happen. And he told them it's going to happen. Who is responsible when those kind of things happen? Who did he give the charge to? The elders. It's the elders who are given the charge and the responsibility that when those kind of things happen, they need to rise up and meet the foe. They need to protect the flock. They need to stand in the gap and uh, uh, protect the sheep. It's the elders that have that responsibility. He also says that... um, Also, in verse 30, also of your own selves, men shall arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So who's going to take care of that when that happens? Who's given the charge and the responsibility that when someone rises up right from within the flock and begins to speak perverse things, things that are not according to the gospel of Christ, things that are uh, uh, not according to... uh, 
the, the, the path of holiness that we believe the Lord calls us to. Who's going to rise up? The elder is given that responsibility and that charge to be aware that that could happen. Now think about it. So what does that do in the context of a brotherhood that is fully governed by brotherhood decisions? You know, the concept that a brotherhood is fully governed by brotherhood decisions is actually, it breaks down right here. There is a place. You know, brotherhood and brotherhood decision and brotherhood, you know, all those things. Remember, I said I appreciate brotherhood early on. But there's something that breaks down right here. There can be those who rise up right from within and begin to deceive and to lead astray other souls. It can happen. Who is responsible? Who needs to respond when that begins to happen? Elders. Elders. Wolves can come in in sheep's clothing, like the scripture says. Or men or women can rise up in error from within and take others with them. The elders who are given responsibility, who the Holy Ghost has made an overseer over a flock, those elders have a calling. They have an obligation. They have a responsibility that goes beyond the brotherhood. It goes beyond the brotherhood level to the God who gave them their charge. They do. And we need to understand that. I want to try to make this as clear as I can. And I may repeat this a few times. An elder cannot stop when the votes are all in and the consider and consider the matter settled. Let me repeat that part again. An elder cannot stop when the votes are all in. In other words, the brotherhood voted. And an issue was determined. A brother, an elder cannot stop when the votes are all in and consider the matter settled. He must consider the matter before God and be satisfied that this is in fact the right direction, the right decision before God. An elder must do that if he's going to be faithful to his call before God and be a leader uh, be uh, be a to be a leader who is a leader before God rather than just a leader before men you can be a leader who are is is just a leader before men and you just 
You just walk with those men and you lead them. You can, you know. But there is an obligation and a responsibility that goes higher than that. And it's that of a, of the leader and his accountability to God. And he must consider the direction, the decisions, where the church is going, what it is embracing in light of the scriptures, in light of the word of God, in light of what God's, he would understand God's desire to be for the church in this present age. And he must respond on that, uh, on that level. We have to understand that that is a very necessary part of uh, brotherhood life. Yes, an elder has an accountability with his brotherhood. He does. And if his life and leadership are not one of integrity, it disqualifies his, him from leadership. And if, 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 it is, if that in fact is the case, those brethren can actually uh, uh, confirm that and ask that brother to step away from his position of leadership. He is not a, a man on an island. He is accountable on a brotherhood level. But he has an accountability that goes beyond the brotherhood level. And that has to be reckoned with. It has to be realized by the elder and by the people. His highest and greatest accountability regarding his own life and his leadership is to God. You know, we t- the scriptures speak there about wolves coming in and people rising up from within. You know, in a, in a uh, I'm going to say, in a general peaceful brotherhood atmosphere where uh, a brotherhood is they're largely united. They're pulling one direction. Their visions are beating together. Their hearts are beating together. They're, you know, they are, they are going. This matter of an elder and what I talked about here is, you hardly even know it exists. You know. Uh, that an elder needs to uh, has that place where he needs to uh, he can't just stop at the at the uh, and be satisfied that because it was a carrying boat it's got to be God's will he can't just stop there he has to be satisfied in his own conscience before God that it's the right decision but when you get into a scattered brotherhood and diverse opinions and like we have here you know people rising up. Uh, then leadership all of a sudden uh, becomes more necessary, becomes more, quote, noticeable, uh, has to step out in the front, has to, uh, uh, yeah, do, uh, uh, fulfill its responsibility and its accountability before God. <clears throat>
You know, there's, uh, just thinking if I should make any other statement on this subject yet before we move on, but there is that place, and there could be that place at times, and it's, like I say, it's probably in a general brotherhood where things are going well, you're not even going to see it, but there uh, could be those times in uh, disruptions and unity and so on, or just a given subject where the elders aren't clear uh, to move in a direction that the congregation would be that, there may be those times when elders have to say, you know, brothers, we're not clear. And we don't believe it's right. It's not, uh, the, uh, it's not uh, what God would have us uh, based on these scriptures. It's not what we, where we believe God would have us to go here. Well, we believe rather we should be going this direction. And those things don't all happen just boom, boom, boom. But elders do have a place and a responsibility where they can... Do that, say that, must say that. If their conscience, in their heart, do not feel clear on an issue that the bulk of the brotherhood would, that they do have the, res- uh, 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 have the respect and the recognition in leadership that they can say, whoa, we're not going to go this way at this point at least. We want more time for consideration. We want more time for prayer. We want more time for discussion. We're not satisfied that this is the right way to go. Uh, just wanting to make it clear what I believe elders' uh, obligation and responsibility is in leadership. <clears throat> All right, just moving on here. Um, like to talk just a little bit. Thank you, brother. Talk us a little bit about the relationship of the older to the younger in brotherhood life. First Peter five, verse five. Peter says these words, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. In Leviticus 19, verse 32, God had this to say. He says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear the Lord, thy, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. <clears throat> this point has a lot to do with attitude. You know, there is a place in uh, in uh, brotherhood life that I believe that if we want a blessing and you want a blessing, there has to be a place where there is a respect from the younger generation to the older generation. And that doesn't mean that uh, that uh, the younger generation isn't heard. It doesn't mean that we as the older ones don't have to give an ear to their thoughts and input. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that when, uh, uh, for one thing, that there is an attitude of respect, that there is, that when you are differing as a young person to the older people, the older generation, you are differing and they're saying, whoa, we're not clear, whoa, we have concerns, it means you're going to sit up and pay attention. It means you're going to say, whoa, okay, here are some older men. They're not clear with my idea and how this ought to be done. These men have been around longer than I have. And God calls us as younger men to honor and respect, show respect toward the older men. I best sit up and pay attention. I best sit up and listen. I best give consideration to what they're saying. I best have an attitude of respect toward them. I believe if we want God's blessing on our fellowship, that is an aspect that needs to be there. Uh, 
the uh, um, I, I have a feeling this probably happened in in various places, but it definitely happened in the in uh, what is uh, I think they still go by the name, but the Lancaster Conference Mennonite Church, as they were on their journey into worldliness, that happened without question. The younger generation rose up, disregarded the wisdom of the older generation, had better ideas. Guys were coming out of college, teachers and leaders coming out of college, sitting the older guys down. Young men know how to do it. Statistics are on the wall. They're a worldly, worldly church with hardly a testimony of holiness among them. And it happened. You talk to the older people. It happened. The younger generation rose up, disregarded the old people. Older preachers were sat down. But it happened. And it's a serious matter. And, hey, these scriptures are here for a reason. And you know, it is a fact. I chose a, a, a different path than my father. Uh, chose, but I have endeavored to always honor and respect my father as I chose that different path, as I made some changes in my life. And you know, I'm, I'm totally satisfied with my relationship with my father today because of that. So, It's something I believe is an important key in uh, brotherhood life. And uh, that's the last point that I have. I'm going to just take a few minutes here and just uh, wrap up again what we've said. We started off by saying that we value brotherhood. We value the input of brethren. We value discussions. We value, uh, we, we consider it of great importance in brotherhood life. We do. We, we believe there's much wisdom, many gifts in a body that can, and we desire to see those gifts nurtured in, and, uh, and used. We've discussed what brotherhood decisions are, what they mean, and how we should respond to them. What is the expected response to brotherhood decisions? And again, I'm going to admit, there are times when we have failed to draw discussions together and give clear direction. We have. I'm going to acknowledge that. There have been there are times we have failed to give clear direction. And I'll admit, I, I wrestle to know how clear does it have to be said. Is it good enough if a dozen brothers said it or does the pastor have to say, this is the way it's going to be? <laughs> I wrestle with that. I would like, I would like if it could just be that a, a bunch of brothers shared their concerns, uh, they bore their hearts and the rest of them jump in and say, if that is a concern to those brothers, we're going to see to it that we give attention to this subject. But I, you know, I, we have to find out what, how, what does leadership, what leadership going to have to look like in this group? You know, what's it going to take to 
pull everybody together. So we discussed <clears throat> what brotherhood decisions are <clears throat> and how we expect response, honor, and so forth. <clears throat> We've discussed the uh, responsibility of elders, their place to lead, uh, their place to uh, of accountability before God, their place to, of calling the people on the path of holiness. And we've discussed the uh, subject of honor and respect from the younger generation to the older. I'm going to take just a few minutes. I'm going to just allow Brian and Earl, since they are at this time deacons, not necessarily elders, but we relate closely together. I would like them, if they feel free in their heart and have any words they would like to say in regarding the things that I've shared, obviously I don't want them to make anything up, but if they have a word to say, I would like to uh, give them opportunity. I don't have a lot to share. I do want to affirm what John said, what he said at the beginning, that it's not new to him. I remember when Harmony started, and it might have even been in the brothers' meeting before we actually started the congregation and started meeting, but first right on the beginning, that John said that he feels from the Scripture he needs to reserve the right to disagree with even the majority of the brotherhood. That was 20, almost 20 years ago. John has not, is not presenting anything new. My observation was that uh, most of the time that does not have to be exercised when a congregation is together, that it flows together. And we did go through some troubling times at Harmony at times. Mostly at the beginning. When Harmony started, it dwindled down to 60% of the original within a few years. And we felt pretty bad. <laughs> we thought, what are we doing wrong? And all those things. I like to think of it as part of the pruning. Not that you want to see that. Some moved away. There were various reasons why that happened. But it wasn't until some years later that Harmony would have entered what we would call the golden years where there was a one-hearted... Not everybody thought alike. People came from different backgrounds, but there was a common vision, and we enjoyed that. Now we have stepped out of that, and we need to regain that somehow so that's where we're at this morning i really appreciate the message brother john i i know it seems a little bit like you're blowing your own horn but it's not that there's one there's one statement maybe i want to read if i had uh, thought a little bit about this this is true about any organization There are extremes of organizational structure. 
So one extreme is tyranny. Somebody that has the power runs it his way. Rough shot over everybody. That's an extreme. Nobody wants that. Then there is anarchy. That's what everybody does, what they think they should do. That is an extreme. Not good. That there is actually a middle ground there. Any organization has its limits. Um, Let's say nothing is bulletproof. We have a confession of faith, and Myron talked about the confession of faith. The confession of faith is not bulletproof. It will not guarantee that a church will go God's way. It is a help, but it's it's not bulletproof. Any kind of organization you want to come up with, we want to be scriptural. But the organization is not going to be bulletproof. It is going to depend on God's people and his working in their hearts. Then there is two other views. Now, this one might be a little lengthy. Maybe I'll see if it makes sense to you. Let, yeah, I will read it. There are two views of institutions that I have discovered in a study. One is the romantic view. That is the... Um, Everything is spontaneous. It's creative. You do new things. You do what is spontaneous. It's a way of doing things that you don't do things by rule or ritual, but you do things spontaneously. That's one view of organization. I don't know if that's organized or not, but it's one view of organization. The other view is involves a posture of faithful receiving, not continual inventing. In other words, what was handed to us is not all bad. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. It presumes that some things are larger than us and are more important than what is immediately likable, that there is a place for duty and deference. It requires knowing when to be submissive because authority is real and some things are of inestimable, inestimable value. Inest, whatever. It's, can't estimate the value. This includes, this thinking includes the ability to make strong evaluations of right and wrong and therefore involves moral obligations and not just decisions of convenience. And therefore it involves a lengthened time horizon. Looks down the road, basically, what it's saying. Rather than whatever I think should be done, whatever spontaneous, it takes a much longer view of things. It values the long term over the short term. And one last thing, just because there are bad marriages doesn't mean that you throw in the towel of marriage. And just because there is bad leadership or bad authority doesn't mean you throw out authority. God bless you. Thank you God. When I, now I guess that I can look into your faces. I can ask the question, did we hear the heart of God this morning? Amen. Do you feel like we did? And I can appreciate what I'm seeing on your faces. I will share that I think we heard the heart of God. Um, I think we heard the truth. And I appreciate you, John, for sharing what I know was a very hard subject. 
I can appreciate what was said here this morning. And you know, I had to think this morning as John used the example of of Lancaster Conference. I don't know what it was like to be back there. I do to a, a small degree when they had the divide. We were part of that when a, a group divided off a Lancaster Conference. I was actually saved in a Lancaster Conference church. Uh, they were just before the somewhat of a major uh, divide there. But I would say this. Uh, I would suppose there was a lot of zealous, with a godly desire, young evangelical, I'm saying that in a positive sense, fellows with a vision to shake the world, to save the world. And rather than totally criticizing that, I would say, I think this morning, if we get the heart of God when it comes to church life on that subject and turn those kind of zealous young couples, and we have some of them here in a congregation that embraces the wisdom of the older ones, will have something for this generation. And, that, and that's my heart. I would, I would believe there was probably a lot of those young Lancaster Conference radicals, whatever you want to call them, that did have a right passion, but there was something missing. And if we can ask the question, is this what was missing? I think this is what was missing. Now I'm going to overrule our elder just a little bit and make a request that maybe we could hear just a few words from our evangelist. My heart is very full. <clears throat> Down the road that Brother Earl was going a little bit, I have two words to throw out to contribute a little bit. Um, Brother Earl talked about two different forms, or various forms of government or, or organizational structure. Take your minds down the direction of government a little bit. Um, there is, you talked about tyranny and anarchy. <clears throat> I think most Americans in our country would say, we got the perfect balance, we have democracy. <clears throat> Am I right? Sound familiar? Capitalism, democracy. <clears throat> well, in a sense, I think as far as political worlds go, in some ways they're right. <clears throat> but this is the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. We're not of this world. We talk about these kind of things we talked about this morning. Through my growing up years, through many years, I hear a term that's often used with a lot of emotion, negative emotion, and that is Politics. I came from a church background. There was so many politics. And I know my brother John's heart, and I think you all heard it this morning in a very positive way. We don't want politics in this church. He doesn't want politics. Brother Earl, Brother Brian, I, you do not want politics in this church. And um, tyranny could be politics. A man has his own agenda. But... So is anarchy, and may I volunteer to say, I think democracy is too. If you want democracy in this church, Brother John talked about a leader that is, is making decisions just based on what the um, local brotherhood says and what the votes are. That's democracy. Take a look at the last couple hundred years of our country. That's where we would go. <clears throat> that's where churches are going, because that's what they do. <clears throat> This isn't democracy. Because there's a God factor here. There's that accountability to God. So I think, Brother John, you shared that very well. So I throw out two of those words to expound on that a bit. My heart is very full in a personal way, and if you'll allow me to bear with me a little bit, I'll take just a a couple minutes to uh, share my testimony in support of what Brother John shared and to bless 
our leaders, particularly Brother John. <clears throat> um, Brother Brian, I was one of those radical um, evangelical persons. <clears throat> Still am, somewhat. Um, and I was born again. You know, God was doing things. But uh, I thank God for leaders. And I thank God at a very crucial time, my teen years, my young, young teen years. I was 15, 16, 16 when Harmony started. <clears throat> so I wasn't so young, teen years. Um, when Harmony started... I'm not sure if it was so conscious in their minds as they came back later to talk about and look back that they did make a conscious step. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Leonard and well, Brother John, at the very beginning, <clears throat> there was a um, conscious effort to give respect. He talked about giving respect to elders. There was conscious effort to give respect to elders. Now, John was the only one that was ordained as an elder and Harmony started. And uh, he wasn't very old. I think he was my age or younger. <laughs> 35? Am I right? Somewhere around there? What is that, Doesn't matter. I think he was about my age. <clears throat> I feel like a very young man. But uh, he gave respect to elders. <clears throat> and in order, I think, to get the right spirit that was necessary, which I believe he did very good at doing... Um, he didn't only look for the oldest person that we directly related to or our parent church, their charity, you know, older in the faith and leadership or in age, Brother Mose, Brother Denny, perhaps. <clears throat> uh, but there was a spirit, there was an attitude of how we relate to other like-minded Anabaptist groups of people. <clears throat> and... I know those first number of years it was subconscious, but I look back and I recognize it much more clearly now. That developed a respect in me, <clears throat> which I should have had either way. You know, I believe it's right. We need to do it either way, but it's easy or difficult. And uh, I loved my church. I loved harmony. I loved brotherhood. I loved brothers' meetings. I loved our leadership. <clears throat> it wasn't always easy. Sometimes they told me some hard things. I kept them busy. I, I, I made it tough for Brother John sometimes. He can tell you some stories. But uh, <clears throat> a little bit of that pruning factor, <clears throat> the tough things that I allowed God to, 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 to act as a pruning thing in my life, and it has borne fruit. I was a young I won't use the word kid, but I was I was a very young boy. Yeah, I was a very young boy when hands were laid on me and I was sent 10,000 miles away by myself to be a church planter, to preach the gospel, to baptize, to ordain. I was 23, I think. And... I don't know how they did that. I don't think I could do it. I don't know, looking back. But God has blessed us with a beautiful um, respect relationship. And and, uh, to this day, it's one of those precious things to me. Brother John shared his testimony of how he respects his dad, relates to his dad. It brought tears to my eyes. And uh, 
Thank you, brother. I don't know all of you. <clears throat> uh, the ones I know best here are, are the, the older ones and the <clears throat> newer ones and the younger ones that uh, were, you know, little when I last knew you and you've grown up. So those are probably the ones that maybe have <clears throat> the most um, adjustment or things to think about for a message like this. And so I don't know you, so I have the freedom to say things maybe our elders can't say here, our leaders can't say. Um, I just uh, plead with you, bless God for what we have here. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It works. It's Bible. It's my testimony. And uh, I believe in it a whole lot more than missions and its conventional use of the term. It's church. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, brothers. I will, we will give opportunity for further uh, testimonies. But I did feel I would just give a few more comments before I sit down. I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know if what I shared this morning about brotherhood dynamics is a blessing to you or if you're cringing under it and uh, shaking your fist inside at me. I don't know where you find yourself. But I will say this, if you cannot appreciate uh, the brotherhood dynamics as we endeavored this morning to give a clear word on what we believe, how we understand it should function, if you cannot appreciate it, you will be a frustrated person trying to build church with us. And we will also be frustrated. So, you really do need to take a very, very serious look at the things that I shared here today. I am supposing that we will probably engage in some discussion in brothers' meeting regarding what was shared here today. Further, I would like to say this. We have currently, we do have some frustrated people in this congregation. We have those who are frustrated because they feel like their liberties are being restricted. You know, by the decision that we talked about as brothers regarding movies, etc., etc., we have those among us who are frustrated because they feel like their liberties are being restricted. We have those among us who are frustrated because their values, the things that have been important to them over the years, seem to be disregarded and tread upon. So on both 
ends of the spectrums, we have frustrated people. We have those who feel like their liberties are being restricted and the church is probably too controlling. The leadership is not in their place. We have those frustrated people among us. We have people on the other end of the spectrum who feel like the things that they have valued, desired in brotherhood life, desired to see in family life, and all those, uh, the expressions of holiness, all those kind of things are being disregarded by others, being tread upon, being, uh, yeah. And so we have some frustrated people. Maybe some of you weren't aware of that. I don't know. Uh, but we do have that. And if there was ever, I I told Brian and Earl, I said this congregation needs strong leadership and it needs clear leadership. And I told him I'm not sure I'm up to the task. But I am not recanting either. I'm just saying that to share my heart. It it feels like a daunting task. But that is where we find ourselves. And uh, as a ministry team, we, by the grace of God, intend to try to walk us through it. But I will assure you that uh, we don't intend to continue with frustrated people on both ends of the spectrum. Some things will need to change. We don't, we don't, we can't. We can't build church. We won't. You know, it just won't happen. So, maybe it's a reality check. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, that's where we find ourselves. So pray for us. Pray for us as a leadership team. Open your hearts to uh, consider the various concerns, the directions that are given in brotherhood life. Open your hearts. If you find yourself one that is continually chafing with brotherhood direction and decisions that are made, I just really appeal, open your heart to God. Consider whether God wouldn't have you become one of those who has jumped over into the... When a decision was made and a direction was given, that you're one of those who can jump in with all your heart consider that Amen